Can't sleep? Don't want to sleep? Afraid to sleep? Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Did you check your closet? And under your bed? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in. Make yourself comfortable. Lay back. Close your eyes. And let me tell you a story. Everyone is looking for shortcuts these days to lose weight, increase energy, and just be healthier. Some people say there's no substitute for a healthy diet and exercise. But who has time for that? If there was something you could eat or drink that would allow you to lose weight and feel great, would you try it? Or would you wonder if it was too good to be true? How can I help you, Mr. Wallstrom? It's Dr. Wallstrom, the little man seated in front of my desk corrected. Okay, Dr. Wallstrom. I looked at my watch. I had 20 minutes before my next meeting. My assistant, Jean, had pressed me to see the peculiar little man. He had been pestering her for an appointment for days, calling hourly to see if a gap had opened up in my schedule. For her sanity, I agreed to squeeze him in. I can give you about 15 minutes, I told him. He nodded, then leaned forward, a serious look on his face. I think your company is killing people, he declared, getting right to the point. I tried not to laugh. The notion was absurd. Well, I can promise, as VP of Product Development for Quantum Nutrition, that is not the case. We rigorously test everything we sell. It's the Q, he continued. Q? I asked. Q was our flagship product the number one selling energy drink in the world, featuring our patented ingredient, Protein Q. It's the only thing that makes sense, he insisted. Dr. Wallstrom, I can assure you, if Q was killing people, we would know about it. He took a sheaf of papers from his bag and laid it in front of me. There were charts and graphs and pages of reports. He poked a pudgy finger at the words and numbers in front of me. Do you see? Do you see what your company is doing? What am I looking at? The rate of excess death. Excess death? The number of deaths beyond what is statistically expected. It's been growing over the last five years. He searched through the papers for something and found another graph. Almost exactly in sync with the rate that your Q energy drink has been growing in sales. I looked at the pair of graphs that indeed showed a similar rising line across both data sets. Dr. Wallstrom. You seem like an intelligent man. I don't think I need to remind you that correlation does not mean causation. There's nothing else that fits. If Q was killing people, it would be the biggest news story in the world. Quantum Nutrition is the richest corporation on the planet. You don't think they have the resources to bury whatever they don't want the public to know? He poked at the papers again. They're hiding it right in plain sight. Wallstrom sat back in his chair. I thought since you were a scientist, you might be different. But you're in on it, aren't you? There's nothing to be in on, I protested. In fact, I can show you thousands of studies that show the health benefits of Protein Q. The reduction in obesity alone is saving millions of lives. 
That's my point. How can something that so radically transforms the health of the population be beneficial? Are you listening to what you're saying? Dr. Wallstrom shook his head, frustrated. He gathered his papers and shoved them back into his bag. Have you ever heard the expression, too good to be true? Of course. There's something going on. There's something about Protein Q that quantum nutrition is not telling us. Maybe you're not in on it, but you're turning a blind eye to the consequences of what your company is doing. Good day, sir. He stood up, turned around, and left my office, walking briskly past Jean's desk and into the corridor. Jean poked her head in the door. Sorry, nothing I said would satisfy him. He insisted on talking to you in person. She took a sip from the can of Q she was holding. Many people had replaced their morning coffee with the energy drink. Starbucks and the other big coffee retailers had seen a drastic cut in market cap as Q became more popular. Don't forget your meeting, she reminded me. I glanced at my watch again as I got up from behind my desk. Thanks, I said to Jean as I passed by her. Something seemed odd. I paused and looked at Jean. She smiled awkwardly. What? Have you gotten taller? I asked. What? Different shoes? Same ones. Haircut? No. Usually when I was standing face to face with Jean, I looked down at her. But today I was looking her straight in the eyes. Maybe you're getting shorter, she offered, taking another sip from her can of Q. I smiled. That must be it. As I walked home at the end of the day, I saw three ambulances racing through the crowded streets, their lights flashing and sirens blaring. It made me think of Dr. Wallstrom's accusations about excess deaths. Were there usually so many emergencies? Maybe my morning visitor's claims about increasing excess deaths were just making me hyper-aware. After returning home, I changed and then called an Uber to take me to a restaurant uptown to have dinner with my fiancé, Rachel. She, like everyone else in the trendy bistro, ordered calorie-laden appetizers, a rich main course, and a decadent dessert, accompanied by a glass of hard Q, the alcoholic version of the energy drink. Despite her menu choices, she was surprisingly thin and healthy. Q had transformed America from a population of obese, diseased souls into a nation of fit and vigorous people. We even had a version of it for schools called IQ, which some credited for rising test scores. Protein Q did wonders. It blocked the intake of bad, empty calories from carbs and sugars and enhanced one's metabolism so that you could eat virtually anything you wanted and still lose weight and feel great. Some called it a wonder drug, but technically, as a nutritional supplement, we weren't under the jurisdiction of the FDA. Naturally, the product's success catapulted quantum nutrition to enormous financial gains and our CEO had leveraged the rise in our stock price to diversify into various environmental projects as well. One of our biggest was the development of sink ponds, another huge revenue source for the company. The scientists in our biolabs had engineered a plant they called water cherries. Like other plants, it used carbon dioxide for food, but in vastly larger amounts. They turned out to be the holy grail of carbon sequestration, packing the product of our industrialized society into little red round nuggets that were themselves a revolutionary food source responsible for wiping out hunger around the world. The sink ponds were scattered all across the globe, 
and seeded with the water cherry plants. Governments invested billions into the simple carbon sequestration technology, and quantum nutrition received just as much for carbon credits paid by the remaining CO2-intensive industries on the planet. We had quite literally changed the world in less than half a decade. What's on your mind? Rachel asked as she enjoyed her blueberry cheesecake. You've hardly said a word all night. I nodded and smiled. I just had a strange visitor this morning. Oh? He seemed convinced that Q was killing people. Q? She asked as she took a sip from her own glass. Yes, he believes that it's somehow causing a rise in excess deaths. That's ridiculous, she asserted. Everyone's never been healthier. I nodded my agreement. She was right. I had seen the transformation in her as well. When we first met, she was a little overweight, nothing unhealthy. But soon after Q was released on the market, she slimmed down and even started running marathons. I said, bring me more water, a man at a nearby table roared. In a tall glass, not this ridiculous little cup, he added, downing the few ounces the vessel held before shoving it at the waiter. Yes, sir, the server replied. What's that all about? Rachel asked. I don't know, I guess he's thirsty, I answered. The waiter returned with a large glass and a pitcher of water. Anything else I can get you, sir? Yes, the hell away from me, the man replied as he started guzzling down the water. One glass didn't satisfy him. He filled it from the pitcher and drank another full glass, quickly and sloppily, rivulets streaming out of the corners of his mouth as he tried to drown himself in the liquid. His companion seemed concerned. Harold, are you all right? Of course I'm all right, the man insisted. I'm just thirsty is all. He picked up the pitcher and began drinking from it directly, only he didn't seem to drink the water so much as inhale it. He started gasping, as if he couldn't breathe. Then I saw that his shirt was getting wet. Not just a little like from the water dribbling down his chin, but completely soaked. He stood up and ripped his shirt open, sending the buttons flying across the room. Somebody help him, the woman screamed. Down the sides of his torso, there appeared to be slits in his skin through which the water he had consumed was flowing. A man approached. I'm a doctor, he announced. Then to the waiter he commanded, call 911. Harold, the man linking water from his body, fell to the ground, struggling to breathe. The doctor waved another waiter over and instructed him to grab the man's arms while he lifted his legs, and together they carried him into the kitchen. Did you see that? I asked Rachel. Yes, the poor man. He must have had a heart attack. No, I don't think it was a heart attack. Didn't you see those slits? Slits? Rachel asked. Yes, openings in the skin like flaps. The water was just flowing out of him. Really? Are you sure he didn't just spill it on himself? No, there was something wrong with him. It was very strange. I'm sure the doctor will take care of him. He's lucky there was one here, Rachel said, shoving another piece of cheesecake into her mouth. I looked around. Everyone had returned to eating their meals and drinking their cue as if it had never happened. I had dismissed Dr. Wallstrom's conspiracy theories about these mysterious deaths hiding in plain sight. But maybe he wasn't so crazy after all. I spent the night searching the internet for instances of mysterious deaths, curious if any of them would describe anything similar to what I saw. My queries came up empty or irrelevant. People were always claiming that the big search engines everyone used by default 
were filtering the results to hide embarrassing political scandals and squelch disinformation. I decided to try one of the alternative sites. When I looked up mysterious death body slits, I got a list of posts on various fringe forums and links to open source social networks. I clicked on one that caught my attention. Man with gills suffocates on bus. The link took me to a video post. I played it. The man in the video, like the one in the restaurant, exhibited an insatiable thirst. I need water, he screamed, asking everyone sitting around him if they had water. One person offered him a can of Q, but he grabbed it and threw it aside. Water, he insisted. I need water. A woman near the front of the bus offered him a half-empty bottle. He poured it into his mouth, seemingly inhaling it. More! I need more! Something outside the bus caught his attention. They were passing a sink pond, covered in the waxy green leaves of the water cherry plants. Stop the bus! I need to get off! He yelled. He took a step toward the door, but then collapsed onto the floor, gasping as if he couldn't breathe. He pulled up his shirt, and underneath it were the same slits I had seen on the man in the restaurant. They opened and closed in rhythm with his gasps. Passengers screamed. The man went limp. Somebody reached out to feel for a pulse on his neck. He's dead, the man announced. The woman recording the scene turned the camera on herself. Did you see that? Holy crap! Holy crap! I watched a sequence of several other videos showing similar scenes. Then I came across a video entitled, what quantum nutrition isn't telling you about protein Q. I clicked on it. Do not drink the Q, the man sitting in his car told the camera. I can't tell you my source, but he has indisputable proof that it is not just some miracle supplement. It is altering DNA. It is changing the human genome. Quantum nutrition is experimenting on the human race. And while doing so, they've accumulated wealth equivalent to the GDP of several European nations. Their influence extends not only into our government, but governments around the world. It's part of the New World Order. Q may seem to make you healthy, and it does at first. That's how they get you hooked. But it's part of their plan to reduce the world population. Once you have enough of it, once it's transformed enough of your cells... You die. He showed a montage of videos like the one I had just watched, showing similar scenes of people suffocating while begging for water. That is, if you don't do what this woman did. Next he showed a shaky shot of a woman gasping and limping toward a sink pond. The videographer zoomed in on the woman as she stripped off her shirt, exposing the telltale slits, undulating with every breath she tried to take. She reached the water and waded in among the water cherry leaves, then fell forward and disappeared under the surface. The person holding the camera ran toward the pond, trying to keep the lens focused on the point where the woman had vanished. But when they got closer, there was no sign of her. No body. Then, a ripple went through the dark green leaves. The camera followed it, and feet broke the surface, kicking, swimming. But the woman never surfaced for air. The camera zoomed in closer, but the image became grainy and shaky. There was a flesh-colored flash just under the surface, and that's where the video froze. You could make out the torso of a woman and the lower part of her face, where her mouth gaped wide open, and the slits looked like... Gills, the man on the video said. 
It appears those slits are actually gills, and if these victims don't get to water, they will literally suffocate on dry land. Lydia returned to the view of the man in his car. That's right. Q is turning people into... The video stopped, replaced with a notice that it was no longer available. I refreshed the screen, but was instead directed to a video of kittens yawning. I began trying to download and screen capture as much of the evidence as I could. Videos, photos, discussion threads of people speculating about what was happening and why. How is this not front-page news? Were the conspiracy theorists right? Was quantum nutrition controlling the media and the major internet companies? Or was I just the victim of a deep fake hoax? No, I saw that man in the restaurant. He had the same gills. He was struggling to breathe. Once I had gathered a sizable amount of data, I downloaded it all to a flash drive and stuck it in my pocket. Then I went to my kitchen, opened the fridge, and took out all the cans of Q I had in there and began opening them and dumping their fizzy contents down the sink. I lifted my shirt to see if there were any signs that slits were forming on my torso, but I appeared to be normal. So far... Was it just some random side effect that only affected a small percentage of the population? Was that how Quantum was able to keep it quiet? But why did it seem to be accelerating? Why were more people being transformed now? Did it have anything to do with how much you consumed? Or for how long? These were all questions I was intent on raising with the head of R&D first thing in the morning, or rather later today, as it was nearly 4 a.m. I lied down, but couldn't sleep and stared at the ceiling until my alarm clock rang. Don't tell me you haven't seen this stuff. I know the company monitors the internet for anything related to quantum nutrition, I said to the man in the lab coat leaning against a counter. He glanced disinterestedly at the photos of people with gills up and down their sides. Of course I've seen it. It's a joke. Deep fakes. Memes. What I saw in that restaurant last night was not a meme, I protested. It was probably dark. You had a few glasses of hard Q, and then you go down this crazy online rabbit hole and your mind convinces you that's what you saw. Roger, I'm not imagining it. This is real. Have you had your Q this morning? He asked. No, I'm never touching that stuff again. Just take another look, I pleaded. Please, if there's something wrong with it, we need to know. All right, Danny, I'll take a look. But I already know what I'll find. Dead ends. It's just people with nothing to do trying to disparage a company that has done more for humanity than any entity in history, public or private. Thanks, Roger, I said. Then I noticed that the lab was much emptier than it usually was. Where is everyone today? Oh, some bug going around. It's that time of year, he replied dismissively. I turned to leave, but then felt lightheaded. My legs buckled under me, and I could feel myself falling as a room went dark. I opened my eyes to find myself lying on the sofa in my office. Jane? I called out. There was no answer. I got up, still a little woozy, and walked out into Jean's area. She wasn't at her desk. I staggered out into the hallway and toward the employee lounge. Denise, one of the managers under me, raced by. Water, she rasped. I need water. I followed her into the lounge. There were televisions mounted on the wall tuned to one of the 24-hour news channels. He was showing scenes from across the country of people struggling to make it to a sink pond or other body of water. Parents were throwing their gasping babies into rivers before they suffocated. 
Many people lay dead in the streets, some mere steps from a pond. Denise pushed aside tables and chairs as she made a beeline toward the sink. When she got there, she turned the water on full blast and cupped her hands under the flow to bring it to her mouth. But that seemed too slow for her. She leaned down and put her mouth directly on the faucet. Water started flowing from her sides. I looked around. There were a couple other executives there, but they didn't seem concerned. Help, I yelled. We need to get her some help. The door to the lounge opened, and a team of building custodians entered, wheeling a large tub filled with water. They calmly walked over to Denise, turned off the faucet, carried her to the tub, and dumped her in. She sank beneath the surface and calmed down. I looked around at the others in the lounge. They ignored the whole thing as if the men had arrived to clean up a spill on the floor. As they passed me, I peered into the tub. Denise and two other people were lying at the bottom, their gills working to extract life-sustaining oxygen from the water. Where are you taking them? I asked. The maintenance men exchanged a confused look. The same place as the others, the nearest sink pond, one of them answered, as if I was an idiot for asking. Roger entered and saw me standing in the middle of the lounge. Ah, there you are. You shouldn't be wandering around. He carried a paper cup filled with a black liquid. Here, drink this. What is it? It's what you need. Need for what? Just drink it, he said, lifting the cup to my lips and pouring it gently into my mouth. It will flush all that cue out of your system. Flush it out? It was sweet, almost intoxicatingly so. I grabbed the cup and drank until I had consumed every last drop. Yes, the same protein that converts the humans also works to mask our physiology. You'll be back to your old self soon, but you might feel sleepy, Roger warned. Come, let's get you to the conference room. It's almost time. Time for what? I asked. Time to answer all those nagging questions you have. Roger draped my arm over his shoulder and guided me to the elevator. My vision was getting blurry, and sounds seemed distant and distorted. We rode up to the top floor. When we got out, I saw several other people heading for the large executive conference room. Only, there was something strange about them. They seemed shorter, with large heads, skinny bodies, and gray skin. Roger escorted me into the conference room and sat me in a chair. I felt so tired. I could barely keep my head up. A familiar voice said something in a language I didn't understand. Flamage recursive. Umbiato Melagroi. English, please. Some of us are still transitioning. Transitioning? What was he talking about? My vision was starting to clear. I looked toward the head of the table where our CEO usually sat. Instead of the tall, immaculately dressed woman who usually occupied that seat, there was a naked gray alien with a large head and dark eyes. Of course, it said in our CEO's voice. We anticipated the reversion may be slower for some of us. A slide lit up the screen behind her, showing a line graph with a curve that lifted from left to right exponentially. Our current projections show that by the end of this quarter, 98% of the human population will be fully converted. Due to issues with sink pond deployment, however, she said, eyeing another alien sitting halfway down one side of the long table, we expect nearly 30% of them will die before they find a suitable body of water to sustain them. That's still well above our previous projections, Roger said. I looked to my side. 
But instead of the gray-haired scientist I was speaking to a moment ago, there was another alien, with Roger's clothes loosely draped over its narrow shoulders. Yes, the alien CEO agreed, but we were hoping to be able to sustain a larger initial wave of immigrants. She advanced to a new slide. It showed a photo of a creature that looked like a cross between a seal and a catfish. Our initial estimates of the procreative rates of the new species are also below projections. However, I am assured that after a few generations of natural selection, that will increase as the stronger mutations thrive and pass on their genes. I stared in fascination. The creature had many aspects of a human, only its legs were fused together. It had short arms, but long webbed fingers. Its mouth was larger, and gills perforated the sides of its body. Once the human population has been converted into an aquatic species, the land will be completely available for colonization. She flipped to an artist's rendering of a human city, with big-headed gray aliens walking the streets. We will, of course, need to convert their energy systems, and even though the native flora and fauna aren't compatible with our digestive systems in our natural form, the flesh of the converted humans will have the requisite nutrients required to sustain our population. Flesh of the humans? I thought to myself. Sustain our population? Were they talking about eating the water people? As if in answer to my question, a pair of aliens entered wheeling in a tray with a large, dead, cooked animal on it, garnished with alien greens and fruits. I set it off to the side as the alien CEO continued. You look confused, Roger said to me. That's to be expected, he explained. I looked over at the alien scientist. What's going on? Technically, it's an aggressive colonial action, but I guess from the human's point of view, it's more of an invasion. Aside from the shortfall in projections, it went remarkably well. I thought you were... I mean, when I saw you this morning. Ah, yes. Well, as I explained, the same protein we engineered to transform the humans worked on our physiology to give us a human appearance so we could infiltrate them. For some of us, though, yourself included, there was a side effect that affected your memory. You were completely immersed in your human persona. Nonetheless, you performed remarkably over the last five years. Don't worry, it will all come back to you once you complete your reversion. I held a hand up in front of my face. Instead of a human appendage with five plump pink digits, there was a slender gray alien hand with fingers that ended in sharp claws. Come, said Roger. Have something to eat. He got up, pulled my chair away from the table, and helped me to my feet. My clothes were so loose they fell off my body. I stepped out of them, naked and still a little unsteady on my spindly legs. He guided me to the tray where the animal was being served. Other aliens ripped the flesh away from the creature's bones in ragged pieces, shoving it into their mouths and eagerly eating it. I felt a hunger rise within me, a desire to reach out and grab some of the roasted flesh. I saw that it wasn't really an animal. It was one of the humans fully converted into its aquatic form. It looked like O'Malley from the mailroom. I tore the meat free and shoved it into my mouth, where razor-sharp teeth shredded it into a mush I could easily swallow. My memory was coming back to me, just as Roger, or rather Rojanus, had predicted. I was a general in the alien army, part of the vanguard that had infiltrated Earth to set up the Quantum Nutrition Corporation to disseminate Protein Q. It was me who convinced our government that the humans, with their consumer-centric society, 
and an oversized sense of vanity would be easy prey. I took another bite of O'Malley. Turned out, I was right. They were also rather delicious. Thank you for listening to Too Good to Be True, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniac's Fiction Podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, rate us on Apple, Spotify, and Audible, and share these stories with anyone who enjoys audiobooks. By the way, my latest novel, Afterlife, a rainy day investigation is available now on Amazon and Audible. You can listen to the first book in this paranormal mystery series, Near Death, on this very podcast for free. Stop by bedtimestories.studio and sign up for our email list to be notified of new episodes and exclusive offers and get a free bookmark. You can visit richhosick.com to learn more about the host of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. Thanks again, and all the very best.